I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, we're in a series on prayer, and I titled the message today, You've Been Summoned. You've Been Summoned. You Have Been Summoned. In a letter that we're going to read today, Paul's writing Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor, and he is in Ephesus leading a church that Paul had planted. And so Paul is going to write Timothy this letter for a couple of reasons. One of them is to encourage Timothy. Timothy's a church planner. And I don't know if you know this, if you've ever planted a church before, but sometimes you need encouragement. And, um, and so Timothy needs some encouragement. He needs some training. He needs some coaching. And there's some things that are happening in his church that he needs some help with. And so Paul writes him this letter trying to help him out with some of the issues that they're facing. One of the issues that they're facing is because of the culture and environment they're in. They're, uh, it's a very paganistic culture where they're worshiping a false god. And the god that they were worshiping was in charge of sexuality. And so there was a lot of uh, immoral things happening sexually in the community and in the city in which Timothy is trying to lead a church. And uh, you could use some kind of modern day city. In other words, he wasn't in the Bible belt of church plants. Uh, he was in a difficult scenario, and he's a young pastor at that. And he had not had history before. He didn't go to Bible college and seminary to learn how to church plant. So he's, he's struggling, and there's some encouragement. But one of the issues that Paul's addressing in this letter is the effectiveness of the church. The church wasn't being as effective as it could be. Now, when I say the church, it wasn't like he was uh, upset with Timothy because the church wasn't growing fast enough or, or there wasn't enough uh, money coming in or there wasn't like the, the, the leadership structure wasn't right. It wasn't about like, like certain things that, that, like the business church. You got to remember, the church is the people. And so Paul is going to write Timothy about the people that are sitting in the gathering place that sit underneath Timothy, Timothy's leadership, and he's addressing the people. So he writes it to Timothy, but he's through Timothy saying, you need to address this with your people so you understand the context. This is not just a church leadership uh, conversation between two leaders. This is ultimately for the people in the body. Now, Paul writes Timothy this letter because there was a disorder happening in the service. There's some things going out of whack, some things that are not biblical, and some things that are completely wrong. And Timothy is evidently at some point told Paul, Paul, I got a lot of issues in my church. There's a lot of things going on. These people are doing this. Some people are saying this. No one's doing this. What do I do about all these things? And then Paul writes a letter about this. And here's the, here's the whole thing. There's a lot of disorder happening in the church, and because there's disorder happening in the church, the church isn't being effective as it should have been. All right, so that's the basis for which he writes this letter to Timothy. And he says in Timothy, uh, we'll go to chapter 1, verse 18. If you have your Bible, you can be there, First uh, Timothy chapter 1, then we're going to go into chapter 2, uh, and that's where we're going to be for most of the, the, the day here. So, We'll put it on the screens, but it says, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, and may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. 
The word instruction is a Greek word that simply meant a command. It was military language, which we'll see that Paul uses often in this letter. But he says uh, there was an urgent command, and this command was, this instruction, the Greek word, you got to understand it was like, like a commander-in-chief giving a soldier uh, the assignment of where he was supposed to go. To go. And so that would have, it would have been heard from that effect. Hey, the chief has summoned you. He's called you. He's instructing you. All right. And so Paul says, Timothy, I want you to remember something. And this is really important as I unpack this letter to you. You have to remember that you're in a spiritual fight. That the church is, is constantly under attack by evil forces. So I want to write these things to you to help you fight well. And he says, in the Lord's battles, because this is a spiritual thing. So it's something that you can't see with your eyes. So I'm not going to write you a letter here how to uh, follow up with people in a church properly. I'm not going to write you a letter here about how to uh, correctly make uh, decisions in kids' ministries. I'm going to write you a letter. And the first thing I want you to understand is don't forget you're in a fight. And it's a constant fight. And it's a fight that you can't see. It's a spiritual fight. And I'm going to unpack all these things to you so that you can win the Lord's battles. You can win in the spiritual realm. All right? So he writes that to Timothy. Timothy, make sure you do a few things. And here's what he says in verse 19. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their conscience. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. And he, then he throws them out, which I just think, man, if your name is mentioned in Scripture, this is not where you'd want your name mentioned. But this goes down in history. It says, Hymenaeus and Alexander are two examples of this. He says, I threw them out. Okay, you should underline that and circle that. Please, like, if you have your Bible or something, just, just consider this. Consider going to a church that's biblical that throws people out who are simply in sin and are not repentant. I asked my wife, can you imagine what would happen today if you tried to show up to a church and somebody said, well, I'm not ready to repent yet. Well, then get out of here. Many of you would be like, I'm going to give you a, a zero-star rating on Google for doing that. I just want you to know, Paul did. I don't know how that makes you feel, but it should make you feel, whoa, like that's, 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 that gets kind of real and heavy. And he says, hey, don't be like these two guys because they've blaspheming God. So they're not repenting for their sin at all. They're continuing to basically contaminate the church. Get them out. Interesting. That's a whole nother level of church. Amen. All right. Simply put, he tells Timothy, it's not enough, Timothy, to proclaim the faith with your lips. When he's saying, keep your conscience clear, what is he saying? He's saying, keep your conscience clear. Keep that inner judge inside of you clear. Keep your life pure. Don't end up with these two guys. Make sure that what you're saying with your lips, you're also living out in your daily life, Timothy. Timothy, don't get up there and preach a word that you're also not living out. That's what he's telling Timothy, okay? All right. And after telling Timothy that, Paul is going to go and give a very clear instruction, which is where I want to preach from today, which is why I titled the message, You've Been Summoned. You've Been Summoned. He says, I urge... I urge then, Timothy, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And I want to unpack a couple things. The first one is this. It's the word urge. The word urge is the same idea of military language. It means to summon or command. So I want you to hear it from this angle. Your commander-in-chief, your president, 
Let's go to God, because that's who he's referring to. God is commanding you. You've been summoned, Timothy. And I am urging you. I am, I am calling you, might be a word. I'm commanding you. This is not an ask, and it's not an invitation. I'm urging you. First, and he mentions four Greek words, petitions, prayers, we get them in English, petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving. Okay, so question. Who is being summoned? Is he summoning Timothy, which could be argued, or is he summoning the church? I think he's summoning the church. I think he's calling the church. That is the people. That's you today. That's why you've been summoned. And I'll show you that in a minute in verse 8. Don't go there just yet. I'll show you that he's not just talking to Timothy. Well, this is a letter to Timothy. It's not an escape goat for you to say, well, he was talking to Timothy to pray. He wasn't talking to me. I'll show you that in verse 8. Okay? So he says, I want you to, to pray. And there are four Greek nouns for prayer that he uses here. So you get these four words. There are four Greek nouns for prayer. And they're petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving. So I'll unpack these words for just a minute. The word petitions is a Greek word that means to converse with somebody else. To converse with another. If you were to go read 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 5, you would find the same Greek word being used. And in English, it's translated prayer in 1 Timothy 4 5. Here, you see it as petition. So is it a petition or is it prayer? I have the answer, it's the same. Just a different way of saying it. I'll go to the next word. Prayers, addressings to God. In Greek, it just means addresses to God. A place that you could set down that you address God. So you got petitions, you got prayers, and intercession. Some people think, well, intercessions mean they're interceding. Let me understand the word Greek language of intercession here. It simply means asking of wants or needs. So prayer is where you go to God, true. So pray, go to God. Ask him about the things that you want and the things that you need and talk to him about that. Converse with him. So do you hear how I just said it? But I'm using different words to describe the same activity. So go converse with him. Go tell him your wants and your needs. Go talk to him. Meet with him. If I say those things, those are all the same thing. It's the same activity and the activity is praying but it's just four different nouns that he uses. And the fourth, thanksgiving, which this one is a little unique because it is saying, I want you to be thankful when you pray. So hear me say it to you this way, if I could just kind of help you understand what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to pray, 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 and be thankful when you do it. Petitions, prayers, intercession, thankfulness. I want you to go converse with God, I want you to address God, tell him your wants and your needs, go talk with him, and as you're doing it, remember who he is and what he's done. Remain thankful. Go pray. So it's, it's the activity of praying broken down in four different words. Prayer is an act of worship. It's not just listing our wants and needs. Notice, he says you can list your wants and needs in prayer, but that's not ultimately what it is. It is a component of it. It's not just listing your wants and needs, but it doesn't exclude 
your wants and your needs. Prayer is a conversation. I've talked about this, that praying is, is talking with God. It's where we go to God with thankful hearts for who he is and what he's done. And we pray so that we get to know him better and align with his will. So Paul's message to Timothy is, I want you to practice this type of praying. So here's a question I have. Who is it or what is it we're to pray for? Our wants and our needs can be included, but there's other things. So who is that? Well, Paul tells them clearly who they're to pray for. And he'll unpack it. Remember, remember the issue before I tell you the verse. The issue in the church was their effectiveness. So they've been showing up, but they weren't being as effective as they could have been. There was some disorder happening. So things were out of order. They were out of order. And I don't know if you know this, but God is a God of order. He has an order to do things. So when he creates earth, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, Sabbath, there's an order. There's time, 24 hours in our day, in our calendar, right? There's time. The sun goes up, the sun goes down. It's a God of order. He's a systematic God in a way. There are systems to him, and there's order. And for all the systematic people say amen, like, yes, the Lord loves calendars and planners and Okay, so things were out of order. So he says, here's the first thing you've got to do. Pray, 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 pray. Okay. Remember, Paul is in a city that is in a very corrupt society. The leader, the emperor Nero at the time, uh, who ruled Rome kind of area and would have been the commander-in-chief at this time. He was a horrible leader. He's actually murdered his own wife and murdered his own mother. Some believe he murdered his second wife as well. I mean, I thought, how in the world did he get a second wife if he murdered the first one? Sometimes we don't always have good judgment, do we, ladies? Uh, or men, right? Goodness. Like you saw their past, but you still, I'll try it out. Hopefully, he'll change. Um, so, likely murdered the second wife. And Paul is about to tell him to do something that if you're Timothy, see, you're thinking, are you sure about that? Because you've got some of the people at the very top of this thing that are just corrupt, horrific individuals. And look what Paul tells him. In verse 2 again, we're going to verse 2, yeah. He says, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives. Paul says, I want you to pray for those in authority, those that do not believe what you believe. I want you to pray for the most, I want you to pray for them. I want you to, first of all, Timothy, as you lead the church, I'm urging you, I'm summoning you, I'm commanding you, pray for the authorities of those that govern your nation. I'm urging you. 
I'm not inviting you. I'm commanding you. And this comes from the top down. And Timothy's thinking, Nero? Pray for that guy? Do you know what he stands for? And Paul says, that's why I need you to pray for him. Interesting. You mean you don't want me to go social media about him? No, that doesn't work. This is a spiritual matter. Remember, you're fighting a spiritual fight and you can't win fighting in the physical realm and spiritual stuff. You can only win spiritually by getting into the spiritual realm, which happens when you pray. So your prayers for the leaders of your nation matter way more than your social posts. Some of you came today to hear that and you're like internally saying, amen. Okay. Paul says, when you do this, you'll have quietness and peace. Quietness and peace. One is internal, one is external. Here's, write this down if you, if you need to take notes. Prayer shapes your attitude. And your attitude determines your altitude. Prayer, remember, in part one and two, we've talked about this. Prayer is about sh- sharpening you. It's about shaping you. Prayer can shift your whole perspective on something. Prayer is where you start. It's not where you end up on the day. It's where you begin. It's first. And after Paul tells Timothy how to pray and who to pray for, he adds the reason we pray. He says, this is good, and it pleases God our Savior. Who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? So Paul says, prayer is good. It's the Greek word kalos. It means beautiful or useful, suitable. But he also says it pleases God. So it pleases God the Father to converse and spend time with his children. And he loves to spend time with his children. This week on a drive home from soccer practice was talking with Lillian and you know those moments when you have like a child and she's our oldest, she's 10, but you're starting to see the, the young child get a little bit older. If some of you have raised children or you're there or you've been there, uh, and you're like, goodness, you're getting older. Just the way they're talking and it's kind of changing in the words they're using and things and uh, the way they're carrying the conversation. But we had this really good conversation on the way home and she's tearing up and it's just a really good conversation. And she had, she had brought a problem to me that she was dealing with at school. And it was just this, uh, uh, just this moment where I was like, I'm so glad you came to me with that problem. And she's been, she'd been holding it in and she didn't want to tell me. And then she tells me about it. And so we're talking about it. And I, I just loved giving her my advice. Any parent here, you just love giving your children advice. You just man, I, I got so much wisdom. You got to sit down and listen, you know, and the, the, the tension is you're just frustrated when they don't listen, but you're like, gosh, you would be a saint if you would just do everything I say, you know? <laughs> do you ever feel that way? That your children would be perfect if they just did what you said? Which really doesn't make sense because you're not perfect, so how could they become perfect off of your wisdom? Anyways, but you know, it's, uh, it's this, it's just love for your children to come to you. I mean, it really does mean a lot. If you, you know, most of us have been children, and it, it just means a lot when you go to your parents. You're like, hey, I, you know, it just it means a lot. Or, or maybe, you know, mom or dad or it's an aunt or uncle or somebody you went to or something. It's just, man, it means a lot. I want you to know today 
Some of you, you came here and I believe to hear this. And you need to hear it. And maybe it's one of you men in the room specifically. Your father loves when you come to spend time with him. And he loves it. And he, he actually he hates when you miss those, he, he, he misses the conversation, he hates it. He hates, when you, he hates it when you go weeks without talking to him. Not because he's mad at you. Just imagine your children walking into your home and not saying a word to you. It tapped the heart. God, the Father, loves to spend time with his children. Can't wait for it. He loves when you talk to him on your drive to work, and he loves when you go into your closet and you pray, and he loves when you step outside of a meeting and you just talk with him. He, he loves those moments with you. He craves it. Nothing excites him more. James, the brother of Jesus, said, if anyone of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. It'll be given to you. Just like for me with my daughters and kids and your, and your families, you'll love when people come to you and say, man, can I talk to you about something I've been holding inside? Yes, talk to me, of course. I love you. I can't wait. Just know that the Father loves for his children. He longs for those conversations. And he's got all day, which just like makes him an incredible counselor. You know, you ever talk to somebody and you know about five minutes in they're checking out? God doesn't check out. He loves to listen to his children. Here's the burden I believe God gave me to tell you. And some of you came here today to hear this statement. I don't want you, I don't just want you to pray I want you to want to pray. I want you to want to pray. Don't go pray because it's something I've told you to do. I want you to want this relationship with me. Matthew 6, Jesus does a whole teaching on prayer. If you want to go read it later, you can. Matthew chapter 6. And he talks about these people called the Pharisees. And boy, they love to pray to be seen by people. And they love to pray in the synagogues and yell out awesome, awesome prayers. And yet Jesus was like, that doesn't move me at all. And yet they were obeying. They were praying. They didn't really want to be with the Father. He just says, I want you to want to pray to me. Not out of selfish gain, but I want you to want to spend time with me. You know that feeling when you've had to like, feel like you've had to, course, you know, your spouse or somebody to spend time with you or a family member to spend time with you or a friend to spend time with you. And Jesus wants his children to want to pray. I want you to want this. I want you to want to spend time with me because I love giving you wisdom. I can't wait to tell you how to lead your organization. I can't wait to tell you how to handle that problem. I love that you come and you expose those frustrations in your heart. Let me take those things and let me show you the right way to go. I can't wait for you to come to me. Some of you don't even think about God as your father in that way because you didn't have a father to go to like that and you don't even know what that feels like 
because that was absent maybe in, in your life. This is what Paul is pleading with Timothy to plead with the church, commanding you, summoning you, come and talk with me. This is first before you do anything else. Father loves to hang out with you. Verse five. An amazing truth is revealed here in verses five through seven. He says, Timothy, there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. A ransom, by the way, is the price paid for a slave. So he paid the price for those who were slaves to sin. And he paid the price for all people. He says, this has now been witnessed at the proper time. This has now been witnessed to the two at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed as a herald and an apostle. And I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, and a true and faithful, faithful teacher of the Gentiles. When I read this, I thought, why did he just switch topics? He was talking on praying, and now he's talking on the gospel. And then I realized, when I read verse 8, he's actually just connecting the two. He's connecting prayer and the gospel, as if there's something that intertwines the two. I have to remember who he's writing to. Timothy, the church leader. What's wrong with the church? Things are out of order. First, you've got to pray. Why? Because you've got to start praying because you're going to win the spiritual realm, fight the Lord's battles. This is what's going to happen. If you want to win the spiritual realm, this is how you go about doing it. First, Timothy, pray. Pray, 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 and be thankful, and pray. Talk with God. Converse with him. And I want you to pray for who? All people, all people, Timothy, even those that are the rulers and the authorities, Emperor Nero, him too, all of them, pray for him. Pray for those around you, next to you, those you do know, those you don't know, pray for him. Oh, Timothy, don't forget, there's one God one mediator, Jesus Christ, who paid the price for all of us. Why would he mention that gospel message in two verses in a letter on prayer? I think it's because of this. The only reason that you can talk with God is because of what Jesus did on the cross. He's reminding Timothy as Timothy is debating, and maybe Timothy wasn't praying first, I don't know. But he's reminding him, as he talks to him about prayer, before you go decide whether or not you're going to be a person who prays, let me remind you of why you even have the luxury of talking with God. Let me remind you of why you have the luxury of communicating to the creator of the world right now. And it's because of the finishing work of Jesus on the cross, Timothy. To not pray is to be inconsiderate of the cross. How could you not pray first? How could you not communicate with God? Not only that, Timothy, I want you to pray for all people. 
to pray only for yourself is simply to act as if the cross was only for you. The cross wasn't just for you. The cross was for all people, Timothy. Paul says, we pray for all people because Christ died for all. And it's his will that all be saved. So I'm summoning you to pray. I'm commanding you to pray. Evidently, when it came to proclaiming the gospel to the world, praying is just as important as the preaching. The issue was the effectiveness of the church. So you can get a preaching church that isn't winning a lot of things spiritually because they're not a praying church. Paul says if you want to be an effective church, you can have good preaching, but if you have no praying, you have a non-effective church. You don't have an effective church. If you want an effective church in your community, in the mixture of this paganistic world, and you want to see lives transformed, it starts with praying. Then the proclaiming. Timothy, he didn't say, first, go preach. One of the reasons why we have... I think, and I just, it's my opinion here. We tell people, go and tell the gospel. But the gospel doesn't spread as it should. And I think one of the reasons is because the attitude isn't shaped first through prayer. When you get the, the attitude birthed in your heart, and you spend time with the Father, and you're reminded of the cross, you can't help but to go proclaim But if you go try to proclaim without the right heart, it will not be effective. I've told somebody about Christ, but they don't, nothing happens. Or when I try to speak, nothing gets said. But at the same time, your personal relationship with Christ struggles. He says, go pray. Then when you proclaim, his words will be inside of you. So you have to go get a part of him, a piece of him to get in you so that when you speak, he comes out of you. Don't go to the conversation alone. Go to the God first. Hear what the Father is saying and then go deliver the message and watch what happens to their heart. First, I'm summoning you not to go proclaim the gospel. Go pray before you proclaim. Praying is just as essential to be an effective church as proclaiming or preaching the gospel. Think about it. How much praying happens in the church services that you've attended? I didn't say repeating prayers. I said praying. Sometimes, We actually depend on the person who's communicating from the platform to do the praying. And we're grateful that that person doesn't call on us when we pray. What if I just decided to just start handpicking some of you and say, come up here and pray? Nerves, hearts start to beat fast. One of the reasons I think the kingdom of God is not prevailing as fast as it can is because, first of all, you haven't learned to pray. And The enemy wants you to do. He says, go 
tell someone about Jesus, go ahead. Because you can talk all you want to. But if you go there and you've prayed first, now I'm in trouble. Pray first. Just proposing to you that if you want to be a part of an effective church, you have to be a praying church. Timothy, I want you to have an effective church. You've got to, you've got to ramp up prayer. Got to pray. Even before you go proclaim. Because praying is first. So back to the question, was this a command for Timothy or the church? Paul gives the answer, verse 8. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray. Ladies, you are not off the hook. But evidently, in this context, it is a masculine noun. I tried to make sure that it included women, but it doesn't in this sentence. Ladies, I'll come to you in a minute. But men, let me talk to all the men watching online, men in church, let me tell you. This 100% is directed to the men. Do you know why this is, I can't prove it, but it seems to make sense to me why Paul wrote this to Timothy? Because there was a problem with the men in the church. Paul would have told Timothy for the men to pray if the men were praying. In other words, ladies, I know you're praying. Men, start praying. Because ladies, you show up to prayer time, but men, you don't show up to anything. Men, I need you to pray. So Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, go tell your men to pray. Because men are supposed to lead their homes. Men are supposed to lead their churches, their congregations, their community. Men are supposed to be leaders. I'm not saying women can't lead. Hold on a second. I'm saying men, you're supposed to be leading these things. Where are the men? Oh, the problem is they're not praying. And when they're not praying, it shapes their attitude. And their attitude determines their altitude. And so men can't lead great kingdom things because they're first not doing the first thing first, praying. So I need the men to come to the captain, to come to the father, get the instructions, get the commands, and then go deliver it. So tell your men to start praying. Men, seriously, man up and pray for your home. Pray for your community. Pray for this nation. Pray for the leaders. Pray for all people. I've often said, so goes the men, so goes the kingdom of God. So goes communities. Men, you're called to lead. God is a God of order. And by the way, this is not a message about how women and men are not equal. Okay. They have each roles in the kingdom of God. And men, we need to pray. Now, ladies, I told you you're not off the hook. And I want to show you how evidently here in Ephesus, there was an issue with the men praying. Because in Corinth, Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth, and here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 11.5. But every woman says, but every woman who prays or prophesies. Uh Uh-oh, so a woman can pray and prophesy. Yes. But see, I don't need to tell that to Timothy, because the ladies over in Ephesus, they're doing it right. It's the men I got a problem with. Anyways, with her head uncovered, dishonors her head. It's more of a traditional thing. It's the same as having her head shaved. Okay. 
So women can pray in church. Women, yes, you should pray in church. This is not saying men should just pray and women should not say nothing. No, women can't pray. No, women can pray in church. Men, you need to pray more. Men, you need to lift up holy hands. Pray and pray and pray. Paul is telling Timothy to pray, men to pray, women to pray. And the reason he wants the church to pray is because his, because God's will is that all people might be saved. Don't come to prayer having unforgiveness in your heart. Notice he says, come lifting up holy hands. Holy hands was symbolic of come with purity in your heart. Don't come holding a grudge. Come to prayer free from the things. Come free from sin, where you're confessing your sin and repentant before the Lord. And then when you pray, don't doubt. He says, without anger or disputing. Another translation says, not disputing, but without doubting. What does that mean? Don't question what is true. Don't question, don't doubt the truth that the Father loves to talk with you. Don't doubt the truth that Christ loves you. When you come to pray, don't doubt the truth that he is faithful to forgive you the moment you ask. When you pray, don't doubt that he hears you when you come with purity in your heart, seeking God honestly with pure motives. Don't doubt. Don't waver. Don't dispute it. It's true. And rely on the promises of God, the saving work of Christ. Paul's message was clear to Timothy and his church and to us today. Pray. We've been summoned. This is not about go and tell God all your wants and needs. It's a part of it, but it's not the fullness of it. Go pray for somebody today. Pray for the leaders of this nation. Pray for the leaders in the world. Pray for your family. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your coworkers. Pray. And when you're in that moment of praying, be thinking about what Christ did on the cross and understand that the only reason why you can go and talk with God is because of what Jesus did on the cross and he made a way for you to communicate openly right there where you are, in your seat, in your car, at home, in a shower, wherever you want to pray, you can pray. You can pray anywhere. I'm thinking of giving an example, but I don't think I should and I'm wondering if I should, but you can pray anywhere. Anywhere. Pray. You've been summoned. Pray for the unsaved. Pray for the sick. Pray for wisdom. Pray to know God better. Pray for leaders. Pray for the church. I want to read a few quotes to you. And they come from a few different pastors, some from many years ago, and some more recent. Um, if you want to laugh at some of these, you can. But just know that laughter often reveals truth. Okay, here we go. If I announce a banquet, this is from a pastor, and I'm not giving any names. If I announce a banquet, people will come out of the woodwork to attend. But if I announce a prayer meeting, I'm lucky if the ushers show up. 
These are actually real statements that pastors have said. I can only get people, I can only get people to come to church if I provide a presentation. I don't hold prayer meetings because I'm too embarrassed of how few people would attend. That was a mega, ch- a mega church pastor, by the way. You can tell how popular a church is by who attends on a Sunday. You can tell how popular Jesus is by who attends the prayer meeting. When I heard that um, a couple of months ago, man, it anchored in and it resonated with some truth inside. And it bothered me. It really bothered me. Not out of an anger. It's just like, gosh, man, church, Lord, have we lost our way? Have we put proclaiming above praying? In our modern day process about how we pray. Oh, we pray as a church because the pastor gets up there and he prays. Or the person doing the announcements, they pray. So we pray. But what if we just had a meeting where we just prayed? I've been in ministry 15 years. I've never seen that. I've never once seen a Sunday morning where the church just prayed. Ever. I'm not telling you I'm mad at anybody. I'm just telling you that's true. We've never done that before. And I could tell you, a lot of pastors got around and said, oh, we're going to do that. Maybe some have, I mean, but I don't know of any, but maybe some have, I don't know. It just made me think about it. This last one I'll read to you says, how is it that Christians, I love this one, (laughs) will pay a high price to attend a Christian concert, but prayer gatherings can't draw a crowd for free? Maybe the problem is we're not charging you enough for prayer meetings. So we're going to start charging you $35.99, go to Ticketmaster. And we're going to do it out at the lawn at the Mid-Florida Complex. Some of you are like, really? Oh, I got to pay. I got to go. It's just funny. You're like, we're going to, we're going to, we, we rented out the Raymond James Stadium. We're going to pray together, buy some tickets. It's going to be an awesome day of prayer. You know what's crazy is so many of you would show up to that. Because of that, Raymond James, you got to come. It's at Raymond James. It's at Raymond James Stadium. you got to show up, man. It's going to be awesome. i got a, another one for you. Come to a church office at 17835 Hunting Bow Circle, Suite 102 for free and pray. Well, that doesn't sound as adventurous. <laughs> as if the presence of God is somehow determined by the magnificence of the stadium. Last time I checked, Jesus showed up in a little manger. I think Jesus was coming to lead a prayer circle. He might go to 17835 Honing Prayer Circle Suite 102 just to shock you. I thought for sure if Jesus was holding a prayer gathering, he'd be like, I'm going to the largest stadium, the brand new one out there in LA. That's where I'm going because they got awesome modern technology. I think Jesus would show up maybe in the slums Somewhere that would shock you and say, this is where we're going to start a prayer movement. 
In fact, in Acts chapter 2, you know where they started a prayer movement? In a small little room. This is where the gospel is going to get started and it's going to spread across to the ends of the earth. And I'm just looking for 120. I don't even want 500 people. I don't even want 1,000. God could have chosen whatever number he wanted to start his prayer movement, but he chose, and the number we have, to best of our understanding, is just a little over 100. Man, how he calls and summons his church to pray. I can't speak for every church, but I can speak for this one because I have been called to lead this church. These people in this church family, that's who I've been called to. So I can speak for this church. We will prioritize prayer. Now you don't have to participate because I can't make you, but I just want you to know our staff will because I can make them. And if they don't, I'll fire them. Ooh, that's scary. I'm just trying to do what the Bible says to do. First of all, I wouldn't have hired somebody who doesn't want to pray for you anyway, so I'm not worried about it. That's not like, oh, Andrews is on the, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm not worried about that because we hired the people we know are already praying for you. So we've got to pray. So every Sunday, we're here at 9 a.m. And we pray. And there is enough room for all of you. And at best, 15 to 20. A very small percentage. So the quotes I just read to you are very true to the church you attend. You've been summoned. We've had some awesome things happen in those few times. Great prophetic words and encouraging words and tears. It's been amazing moments. Even today, there's about 10 of us. And I'm telling you, I felt the presence of God so heavy in several moments when people were praying. Young people, older people. It's fantastic. 30 minutes right here praying for you today. Before you ever even got here, they were praying for you. So we pray first at 9 a.m. before we host service. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Because the Bible said so. And I don't need another reason. Every Sunday at the end of service, we're here down front. So Megan, Phil, would you come down here for just a minute? Every single Sunday from now on, we have people have and will have and I will be down front. I'm going to be right here. And we're ready to pray with you. We are here to pray with you. Why? Because the Bible said to. And we don't need another reason. Every Tuesday night, see, in case you can't make it on Monday, oh, I got kids Monday morning. It's like our breakfast time and oh, Saturday night late Halloween parties and stuff. Okay. So we've made a way for you here. If you can't show up early on Sunday and you can't stay late on Sunday, you can come on Tuesday. But I know what you're thinking. But I can't come this Tuesday. The good news is you come any Tuesday. So I want you to pencil this in your calendar. Ready? February the 12th, Tuesday night at 7 p.m. 2024. Go ahead. Go check it out. I will see you Tuesday. 
It may not be this Tuesday, but you just get there on a Tuesday. Pencil us in, please. 2023, 2022, go ahead. Choose a Tuesday. Choose a Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning. And after every service. Just pick one. I'm just saying we're here to pray with you. And I'm just saying you always make time for the things you prioritize. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, I've just proposed this to you today. First, the commander-in-chief is urging you to pray for all people. You can say, well, I'll go do that privately. He said, I want all men in the church to pray, lifting up holy hands to God. Coming together in prayer, and I can show you scripture after scripture after scripture about corporate praying together. There is a time to privately pray, and there's a time for praying together. Where two or three are gathered, there he is. Pray for who you want to see come to faith. Pray for those who are slave to sin. Pray for the person you want to bring back with you. Pray for the person you know who needs a friend. Pray for those who are sick. Pray for your boss. Pray for me. Pray for whoever you want to pray for. Just pray. Talk with the Father. He can't wait to talk with you. Let's pray. We're here up front. If you need prayer, you can come get prayed for. See, you're waiting on me to say something, but I wasn't going to say anything today. So you pray. You tell them. You tell them what you need. Tell them what you want. You pray for the leaders of this nation. Pray, church. Come on. Let's pray. Ask them if you should do it or not. Ask them if you should go there. Come on, church, pray. I'm urging you, pray. If you need prayer down front, come come now. We want to pray with you. Don't wait. Pray. You can move now. I'm urging you to come pray with us. Come pray. Come pray. You mute my mic.